0: Hello and welcome to A Beautiful Faith where we give voice to all that makes faith beautiful and I am joined by my beautiful, lovely, he is grace, he is elegance, he is poise co-host, Henry Johnson. Hi, Henry.
1: Wow, I had no faith that you were going to be that flattering, but that was beautiful. (laughs)
0: Thank you. Uh, I told you, we 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 give voice to all. That makes it beautiful. Um, and we can no, give I... voice via podcasting, because like all millennials and
1: Generation Z that were born in the cradle with podcasting apps and, and RSS yes. feeds and everything else, we're here starting uh, this podcast, for at least me, trying to catch up on the times with a cross between new vlogging equipment, And podcasting equipment, and I've got them sitting here together because I don't know what I'm recording and what I'm doing, but Ryan is the master, and that's why he was being so gracious because I need a lot of grace to catch up to him. But
0: anyway, how are you it doing, is, Ryan? Uh, <laughs> it is very entertaining to watch you uh, watch you try and figure out and navigate this world that I've had to try and figure out and navigate for the last three years. Um, it's it's nice to not feel so alone in that journey. Um, this is a podcast, so I should I should you. turn on my light ring now, right? I won't look good on the audio. Uh, yeah, on the audio, exactly. <laughs> you uh, you have the face for radio, Henry. Um, so. <laughs> I, uh, but no, I'm doing, I am doing well. I am, um, I think I went through a short stint of a little bit of burnout. Um, and I think I also had a short stint recently, uh, changed my medications for my ADHD, my ADHD, (laughs) ADHD. And you failed spelling test, ladies Um, and gentlemen. The, but no, I went, uh, I recently changed my medications and that caused, I think I actually dealt with, um, I think I actually... Basically, we had some concerns about my heart, um, especially since my own dad passed away of a heart attack, right? So me being 26, literally half the age that he was when he died... just some concerns around my heart that we we've been looking at me and my doctor and so we had switched me off of a stimulant medication for my ADHD and I think one of the side effects of that was a little bit of depression that came with it um Mm. and I don't think I realized that in the moment so looking back on the last few last several weeks or so about the last month um it, it was I definitely can see it um so I'm glad to be on the tail end of that now um and uh just kind of getting back in the swing of things and and um and kind of embracing normal life again. So that's good. Um, Man, it was, yeah. it was crazy. We're
1: not, we're not trying to date this here, but obviously by the time you're hearing this, this is 2020. And so to make that point, and we're recording this pretty early in 2020, this particular episode, and it, it, it's true to think about it, you know, last year really stunk for me. <laughs> I, I saw the, yeah. I saw the memes where people were like, Hey, you know, we told 2019 to come at us in 2020, please just stay where you are. We don't, we don't need, <laughs> you know, and it's true. I don't know why. I don't know what it's like for all of our listeners, but 2019 was rough for a ton of people that I know. I mean, there was some good in it. The whole thing wasn't a dump, you know, it wasn't one big dumpster fire, but, but yeah, it was, whew, it was pretty bad. I know I, I had I don't some know, 2019 with,
0: was kind of a dumpster fire.
1: Yeah, I mean basically 2019 was Australia before Australia was it. So Jeez. <laughs> Just not coming that, out, yeah.
0: coming out of left
1: field with that burn. Oh, well, I the left coast of Australia is
0: burning, but that dates when this is being recorded. <laughs> yeah. That's what yes, that does. That, that really um, really so before did So we continue to dig ourselves into a hole here. No. Continue what you're saying. Uh, well, if I want to dig myself in a hole, let
1: me tell you about how I just learned the other day that koala bears are not called koala bears. Okay. Anyway, um, my apologies to all Australians everywhere. We actually, our thoughts and prayers both now when you're listening to this and then are, are definitely going out to you. It is just horrific to see what's going on. And we definitely, know yeah. this is dated, just know that at the time we were really wishing the best for all the volunteer fire crews. And, and everyone else that's wrestling with stuff there. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um,
0: so help yeah. temper
1: this, temper us a transition out of this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome to a beautiful faith where we dig ourselves into holes and attempt to jump out of them. Uh, no, I, today we, we actually want to talk about something that uh, both of us have experienced both personally, like ourselves, uh, to some degree, we've walked the path that we're going to talk about. And then we've also seen it in others. And uh, and basically we're talking about uh, the call to pastoral ministry, uh, the call to full time past professional pastoral ministry. And so what I mean by that is you are a pastor or religious leader of some sort because it happens in other denominations or other faith expressions um, where someone experiences some major life shift uh some major traumatic experience maybe they go to a church service then or they they go to a Vespers, they go to a, a gathering conference you name it and suddenly they their their faith is either reignited or ignited for the first time and they have this conversion or reconversion experience And coming from that, they then feel this they they feel this desire to respond in some way and they become convinced that their call is to, pastoral ministry, that their call is, is in a, is is to then become a, a leader in God's church and in God's kingdom. And this is what they're called to do. And so we've experienced it from the, from the perspective of both of us believe that we were called to, um, to ministry in some way, shape or form. Um, both of us have served as pastors full time. And, um, now currently I would be considered what you? I guess. I guess you would technically call it a bivocational. But I'm my, my pastoring the pastoring that I do currently is actually for free. Um, I'm known as a volunteer lay pastor, technically uh, within my denomination. But it is basically I just pastor for free, and I'm just not the main guy in charge. I'm part of a team that that works together. And uh, but Henry has served as uh, as a pastor for several years, um, and. Now, both of us are around young adults where, you know, Henry, you you work in a position where you're overseeing and working directly with collegiate aged young adults. Uh, myself, I'm working on a university campus where I am surrounded by a private Christian university campus where I'm working with collegiate aged young adults. And it's probably one or two times a semester that I talk with a student who who's had this big experience I just described and they think, well, I got to change my major. I got to do theology. I got to, I got to study to become a pastor and this is what I'm going to do. And this is my life direction now. And they basically start over school in order to pursue that journey. Um, and and. Both of us, I think, want to speak to the realities that come with this and kind of temper that that energy a little bit and temper that transition that happens in your conversion experience, uh, because that is a huge decision to make. Uh, and while the while the while the conversion experience can be exciting, I think it is important to to temper that a little bit and, and to just be intentional about whatever decisions we're making instead of uh, instead of just jumping headlong into something. And so, yeah, Henry, initial thoughts here. Don't become a pastor. No. Um,
1: <laughs> so, n- n- yeah, no, I, what you're saying is is absolutely where we're trying to go. Please note as a point of clarification, we're not trying to tell you not to get involved in ministry. And, and what we mean by that is obviously Ryan and I are coming from a Protestant Christian background. And so one of the tenets of that coming from a historical perspective was a, a concept known as the priesthood of all believers, which is kind of a, f- Fancy way of saying because obviously Protestantism was was wrestling with a lot of concepts, including the priests or the priesthood of Catholicism at that time. Uh, the which all that just means is the universal church. There, you know, before we get on our high horse, there was only one church in that in that sense. Well, there was technically two big churches at that point because we'd already had the Great Schism where Eastern Orthodoxy was out. But now I'm going on a rabbit trail here. Heading to the east, apparently, but let me head back west for a second and make this point. Anyway, <laughs> and their concept was that instead of just one specific individual in a congregation or one key person that's like the the spiritual leader that does all, everything spiritual and your job is basically, and I know I'm really oversimplifying this, but sit down, shut up, and pay up, right? You show up mm. at a service and and you sit there quietly and listen to the person that knows what they're doing and they're paid to be the spiritual leader and tell you Bible truths and whatever, and, you know, pay money to help support them and people like them and monastical orders or whatever else that are doing the work of God. And, you know, then you're off doing something that isn't spiritual, isn't whatever, and come back and do it again. And anyway, the point is they did certain communities in the Protestant early Protestant days, because obviously Protestantism is a diverse family tree itself. They were really big on this idea that everybody is called to do something. When you when you convert, when you have an experience powerfully with God and decide to be an active follower of him, uh, of, of the deity, then, then it transforms what you do. There should be some way, shape, or form that you're impacting yourself, people around you, mm-hmm. whatever else. And so we're not trying to put a wet blanket on the idea that if you've had a powerful experience with, with God, that you, we're not trying to tell you, sit down, shut up, and pay up. That is not what we're trying to say at all. What we're trying to say is that most of the time, unfortunately, and I don't know if this is kind of as a good segue out of the little sideways history we just went there, I don't know if it's some leftovers from that era, because there's a lot of ideas in society that kind of hold on from the medieval period. This mm-hmm. idea that if you've had a massive, powerful, transformative experience with, with God, that you, you somehow have to respond equally as powerful, radical transformative or whatever, and not, not in the sense of responding radically, which I do think you should from a heart perspective, from an actual something visible in the life,
0: right? Mm-hmm. And
1: you don't have to be a Christian necessarily to do this. I think this is an innate principle in human nature that when something big happens, we, we feel almost the need to respond in kind to do the mm-hmm. same thing. Well, if God did something big for me, I should do something big for God. And our tendency, and this is partly, and we'll get into this probably later in the podcast, part of this is the church's fault, uh, Christianity's oh, fault. Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, but wh- we've, we've tended to make it sound like the only important things for God are things like pastoring, right? That sometimes things say, well, teaching at a Christian school or maybe medicine or, or missionary, you know, but really mm-hmm. those four things. But mainly pastoring is like the main thing you do if you're really serious about faith and serving God and whatever. And so people that have had these experiences go, oh man, I need to do something for God. Well, if I feel that need, then that need must mean I'm supposed to be a pastor. And they yeah. they then dump everything in the interests of, you know, they they dump all their jo- their current job or their current studies or their hobbies or their likes, et cetera. And, and in, instead of transitioning where they are now into a space where their newfound faith can positively impact themselves and others, they they give rise to the joke i know in a lot of denominations where we call the seminary the place where pastors usually go to get trained to become a pastor in a you know in an educational setting we jokingly call it instead of the semin the seminary the cemetery because you go to basically kill everything that's unique about you or whatever and come out ready to spread the gospel to whatever which is really sad that that's what we think you have to do to spread the gospel But, but that's our point. That's why we're talking about tempering the transition. We, we, we Mm want to know, you know, maybe you do have a call to, to that, or maybe your call is more nuanced or it's to do something with where you're at now. Uh, and, and that's, that's really the, the Lotus of what we're going to talk about today, that basically conversion isn't automatically a call to abandon your reality, but to transform it. And And, so that's what we want to discuss.
0: Yeah. And, and so two quick disclaimers there. Number one, uh, we, while we are speaking from personal experience and, and what, you know, what we know having been in the field and, and, and currently in ministry, um, We also are sharing our opinions and we are not the final arbiters of truth whether we'd like to be or not I'm happy to not be Um, though. I am always right. So take that for what it's worth. No, Um, no Sugar (laughs) is always right. Uh, That's right. My dog. uh, I have a nine-year-old corgi. She is always right. She is the final arbiter of truth Um, the the... sugar loaf of power yes, the (laughs) Um, the Basically, we're sharing our perspectives and opinions on this because that's what podcasting is. Hoping that this could be beneficial to you or to someone you know who might be going through this kind of experience even now, and so that that's kind of the hope here. Uh, the second thing here is we're not telling you that if you are experiencing a call of some, if if you believe that you're experiencing a call that you're wrong. That's not what we're saying. We're not the ones who get de- who can determine whether or not you are. Called to anything specific, you are the one through prayer and through study and 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 through patience and 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 you know communion with God. Like you, you are the one that really determines that, not not us. Uh, so we are not casting judgment on any specific person's calling. Uh, we are not we are not saying that that anyone that we've talked to isn't called. Uh, we are just speaking to a reality that we have seen of several individuals that like this is the consistent pattern is someone goes has some powerful conversion experience and in response to that they end up giving their all in their career and professional life to pastoral ministry or formal ministry and we think that there's a lot here that can overlap into other fields of ministry and other and other um other career fields as well so we'll you know we'll touch on that a bit too but i just wanted to, to clarify that i think um for for anyone who may be wondering, like, who who are you to say any of this? Well, I'm Ryan Becker, that's Henry Johnson, and we both have been pastors and uh, have walked this path. That's who we are, and that's why we're talking about this. Um, so, so
1: speaking of which, since you've brought that up, Ryan, obviously we both entered pastoral ministry at some point, and I'm just curious... Did your conversion experience, I mean, did mine, did that have something... Did our initial conversion experience or a reconversion experience have something to do with us pursuing that?
0: Um, yes and no. So my initial conversion experience, I would say... Uh, <sighs> It's weird because, okay, so I was, I, you know, I would say my real conversion experience happened when I was about 14, um, in eighth grade during a week of prayer at my, at my private Christian school and a speaker who I'm friends with to this day came and I don't even remember what he spoke. I just remember accepting that call, standing up, um, coming to the front. I remember going through baptismal classes and and eventually being baptized at my school. And, um, shortly after that, I felt this, you know, or or shortly or during the baptismal uh, classes during that period of the year because I was baptized at the end of the year. I also felt this compulsion that I, you know, I wanted to share, I wanted to talk and give a give one of the sermons for uh, one of our weekly chapels on Friday morning or assemblies. And uh, so I did that. And then that led to me becoming the class pastor. And it led to uh, basically a bunch of teachers and a bunch of adults telling me, you're, you're going to become a pastor for sure. And I think this is something that I don't want to necessarily blame them for this, but I do think that this played a pretty significant role in it and, and an influential role in it, which is that I don't think my direct conversion experience led me to think I need to become a pastor. But I do think that as I th- thought about the ways that I, you know, would spend my life and the ways that I, that I would respond to what God has done in my life and, and what he's gifted me with and blessed me with um, because of the influence of, of older people that I trusted in authority figures, I, the only direction I knew to go was in the direction of pastoral ministry. Mm. Does that make sense? Um, and so it was more like when, when it, when it, when it became time for me to make that kind of decision, it just, this was the most logical direction for me to go. If I wanted to do something in ministry, I needed to, in my denomination, go to one of our schools and study theology, um, theology in, in the Adventist denomination is literally a pastoral prep or um, basically preparation for pastoral ministry and church ministry. I understand that in you know public universities and other universities, theology is basically just a religion degree. And you study several different religion degrees or different religions. So um, just for clarification there, that that's how the track worked for me. And so, yeah, I, I think... Um, now I'm in this, I I've transitioned, actually, I, I did pastor for a few years and now I've transitioned out of full-time pastoring. I pastor as one of kind of my side things, but I work full-time as a recruiter and for, for one of the schools that for the school that I actually graduated from. And I would actually argue that I'm doing more ministry now than I was doing as a full-time pastor. And that's for several different reasons, that's not for any reflection on the pastoral side of it at all, that's just for different context reasons. Um, And I think, um, I think what I'm doing now is equally valid. The fact that I've had to, the fact that I've had to constantly defend myself to people who think I've left ministry is ridiculous. Well, and, and this brings sh- up our our point that we were trying to say, and this is why we're trying to discuss it, is that
1: everyone's called to ministry, but if you only think a certain thing is how you can express that, you might be robbing God and yourself and others of the full breadth of potential or success or fulfillment that he intended for us, yeah right absolutely. or is intending for you, so that's still yeah. ministry, it's still equally valid
0: yeah, absolutely like the the in fact, I would say that, uh, you know, in podcasting and in, in what I've done through the, the several different ones I have, I'd say that I've much more strongly impacted lives than I did as a pastor. Um, and I don't say that like lightly, uh, I just happen to know that based on the, the Conversations I've had with people, um, I've been able to empower people more so than ever before in expression in expressing their faith and their 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 opinions and their perspectives and finding their voice and um, really finding their niche because of the help that I've been able to give people in starting podcasts like like the ministry that I do is much less traditional and yet somehow it's still traditional ministry because ultimately I'm helping people connect with what God is calling them to do and or who God is calling them to be and so I yeah, I, I'm perfectly satisfied and content with where I'm at. And it is sad to me that, that there are people out there that, or there is this view, not that there are people out there that have the view, but rather that there is this view that says, no, pastoral ministry is really the ultimate expression of answering God's call in your life. And that is not the case in any way, shape, or form.
1: So that's, So that's interesting. So here we have an experience where you obviously felt a a call in your conversion experience to do something for God and the community around you said, well, this is the only way to do it or this is the best way to do it slash the only one. So go do that. And so you've done that. And now you've had a, as your faith journey has progressed, you've, you've had that moment where you you've seen it kind of transition where you've kind of added more nuance to that understanding of, call and other things and go, oh, well, maybe this particular way of, quote, full-time ministry of pastoring specifically is is, is not the best expression of what I'm supposed to be doing full-time for God. Exactly. And so you, you, you've transitioned, still using many of the thi- the traits and, and gifts you had obviously in pastoring, because as you just said, you're doing a, a lay pastoring thing as well, kind of bivocationally, uh, you know, but so that, that's a, that's going to be a awesome perspective, I think, as we keep discussing this, just everyone pick up that, you know, Ryan went that route, but has also shown that you can also continue to grow in that and, and grow into the best area for you.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm glad you understand. Um, So Henry, talk to me then about your own your own kind of conversion experience and, and, you know, how did, how did your evolution of your understanding of your ministry and your calling kind of happen and unfold? Obviously the cliff notes version, not like <laughs> uh, no, right, the right. same way I gave. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, and, and, but there are certain similarities, it, it, although much later in my life, which is, which is fascinating because we assume if you've been listening to this podcast all the way through, you've heard both Ryan and I's testimony at some point, not, you can go back in the show notes. We can link to, to those. But my reconversion, true conversion, whatever you want to call it, really, as I said, happened much later in life. I was already coming out of college and had already pursued one particular career path, which, you know, I'd studied poli sci and music performance. So I was not a Theo major by any stretch of the term. You know, I, I had no intention of pastoring and no desire for it. And it was going through a, a powerful set of experiences that that led me kind of to reclaim faith, to pursue it. And, and two things really started directing me towards pastoral ministry pretty quickly. And again, as we've kind of heard before, it's the people around us who thought the only thing you could do was pastoring. Mm-hmm. And and so two things really kind of sold me on that idea pretty quick. One was obviously the people that were instrumental in my life into helping me reclaim faith thought, that's what you should be doing full time. Or or actually, to be fair, a, a good chunk of them didn't think pastoring was what you should do. They did thought something called call-portering was what you should do. And for those who have no idea what that is, or you don't want to go back and listen, call-portering is basically a, a fancy word for people that they're Ministry for God is they go door to door trying to sell like religious or health books to get into people's mind, people that wouldn't go to churches or other things and and read. And they kind of sustain their life that way, living off of donations Mm -hmm. and proceeds. and And I have a lot of mad respect for people that do that full time. I don't think there's as many people, at least in our denomination that do that anymore that I'm aware of. It used to be much bigger 15, 20 years ago. But, and I think partly that's because a it, it's harder people don't have as much interest in books but also i mean it is it is an extremely hard way would you like to, to buy li- this kindle book yeah yeah this and, and I, no i'm downloading it so i mean i, I think that the concept is probably technology is outstripping it but even when people were doing that it's an extremely hard way to make a living and by yeah. the way just random note for those of you are like that sounds weird how was the, anybody ever doing that you've probably actually run in to the results of a call porter without even realizing it. Anyone who has sat in a doctor's office and seen a set of, I think back then, and there might even still be that color. There was a set of blue books about Bible stories yeah. that seemed to be in every single doctor's office you went to. They didn't even have to be religious. I remember there was like a Hindu doctor I went to as a kid and he had that set of blue books sitting in his waiting room. Right. Hmm. I, I think, I think call porters must've hit up every doctor's office in the world at some point because they're like, doctors have money and I need it, help, hey. whatever. But so anyway, that, that, those were call porters that put those in there. It wasn't, they weren't going online or, you know, pre Amazon days or anything and buying sets like, I'm just going to put these in here. There were people that went door to door and asked these doctor's offices, hey, this would be great for people to read in your doctor's office. And people were buying it. So anyway, that, that aside, it was, it was call porters that were kind of really instrumental to me and were like, we should join. And I'm just being honest, I had no interest in doing that full time. Hmm. <laughs> I had no interest. And on the flip side, honestly, my first forays into pastoring was pride. Because uh, on the other side, <laughs> humorous talking about co-porters, I had read a book and it was a, a book on religious history. Uh, it was titled The Great Controversy, but it was dealing with a lot of, of church history, including the Protestant Reformation. And interestingly enough, I had read the chapters about Martin Luther and things like that. And I thought, hey, this is a guy doing big things for God. He's like transforming the globe. He's like facing down the one giant church structure and all of this other stuff. And I was like, if I'm going to do something, I want to do something big and historic and, and and whatever, just like that. And so, you know, I wasn't going to be a monk and I wasn't going to be whatever. But I guess pastoring's kind of a big deal where you're in the public and you're doing big things for God. And since I don't want to do call portering and since I, I can't be necessarily Martin Luther, I guess ministry and my idea at that time was that's the next best thing. And no one was mm. going to dissuade you. You're not going to go up to anyone and go, I want to be a pastor. And at least in the church, people go, that's a bad idea. Usually everybody's like, that's a great idea. It shows your dedication. So no one <laughs> dissuaded me. So that that's basically how I ended up starting to go into pastoral ministry. As I said, no one dissuaded me. And then key people around me, helped facilitate openings for me to get additional study or to kind of backdoor my way into pastoring. Yeah. And, and that's how I ended up doing it. Mm. And I I'm obviously still pastoring. I'm not doing any sort of bivocational thing at this at this moment. That being said, interestingly enough, the transition that Ryan just talked about, not exactly the same, but I'm kind of starting to to go through a little bit of that, not that I have stepped away from from full-time pastoring, but I'm not, I've stepped away from full-time pastoring over one individual church, mm. so I'm not in just one spot, which would be the traditional way people view it. I'm a lot more fluid, which means I'm having to come up with kind of more non-traditional ways of of sharing and of impacting people's lives. So I'm kind of, at this point in my life, I'm kind of in that search mode. In fact, I'm even doing some crazy stuff that hasn't happened at the time of this recording, but I'm actually possibly getting, well, not possibly, I'm already signed up to do it. I'm getting involved in a, in a chaplaincy military reserves role where mm-hmm. I am, I'm going to be experimenting with giving some time to, to that side of things, kind of armed forces side and, and doing ministry in that context to a lot of different people. So that's definitely not something I'm used to because it will be ministering across denominational boundaries and lines, yeah. which I don't have the most experience with. So I'm just openly admitting that. That's where I'm going to have to get additional training and things. And of course, I was crazy enough to sign up for airborne version of that, which for those of you who don't know what that means, it means you jump out of a perfectly good airplane to do this. So I'm trying
0: <laughs> Woo! Anyway, so as opposed to all of the non correctly working airplanes that we all jump out of (laughs) on a regular basis, yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but anyway,
1: so if this podcast abruptly ends the end of 2020 somehow, or he Ryan has a new suddenly there's a string of solo episodes, uh, yeah, yeah, or a new host, it's either a because he realized I just sucked really bad and got rid of me, or b I
0: failed my course somehow and died. No, nah, It's just because we pulled a Highlander and there could only be one uh, and I have all the logins for hosting stuff so Henry was Henry was naturally naturally lost in that battle. <laughs> I was, I was um, the weakest link, but anyway, so yeah, no, that's the that's the nut. gotcha No, and, and it, let me well, let me say this um, And maybe I should have said this at the beginning, but it really doesn't matter when I say it as long as I, I think I say it There's a reason this is so important um like, there's a reason that understanding this is so important because if you're, if you're not experiencing this at all, no one you know is experiencing this at all, um, and it's kind of out of your context, then you might think, like, why is this even worth talking about? Here's why it's worth talking about. Um, the best example I can give is uh, those teenagers or young adults who grew up in faith, grew up in the Christian church, and maybe they were dating someone and at some point, you know, read the book I Kiss Dating Goodbye or went to some, went to some, church service or worship service where they talked about relationships and then they suddenly came back from Bible camp and <laughs> they decided that they needed to break up with their significant other because God was calling them to be single or God was calling them to uh, be out of that relationship. And they always, they, they say the words like God told me, God is, I just feel like God is telling me that I need to break up with you. And what that is, is, well, well, sometimes that does happen. Sometimes I think God does do that. Don't, I'm not going to say what God doesn't or, or does do all the time. Um, but in, in a lot of cases that I've seen, what, what that actually is, is someone feeling this response or feeling this urge to respond to what they've just learned. And, uh, they use God as their scapegoat so that they can avoid the personal responsibility, uh, for, for their decisions. And what ends up happening is someone else's opinion or view of God is now put at risk because, wow, if God is going to, do that, then why do I want to follow him? Right? If God is going to do this thing, that's going to cause me so much pain or whatever, I don't have any interest in this. And if God doesn't care about how I feel about any of this, then why should I care about this at all? Right? This, this is a real thing that happens. And in the same way, if you are someone who believes that you were called to pastoral ministry or full-time, you know, professional ministry in whatever capacity, that is not a light responsibility. And for us to simply say, God has called me to do it. um, That's not a light statement either. And sometimes I think, I think that we will try and say God called us to do something so that we can avoid having to take the blame or responsibility if things don't go the way we planned. Mm. Well, God, you called me to this, right? And what happens is if we weren't really called to it, if it wasn't really God, and it's just us being convinced of this thing, whether culturally, uh, like, you know, like I was, or whether it's Whether it's, um, you know, just ourselves convincing, uh, convincing us that we should do this. Uh, Other people's faith is now put at risk because of that decision. Right. You are, you are giving you as a pastor, you were given access to people's most vulnerable parts of their lives, whether that's premarital counseling right? This, this super uh, fragile and, and important space in a couple's relationship, whether that's being invited to do a funeral and and to grieve alongside a family and to mourn the loss of a loved one with them and help them process, whether it is uh, preaching and, and and helping someone tap into their spiritual life and, and, and their relationship with God and figure out what direction they should be going, right? Uh, the, the people are looking to you as a leader. And that is not a light responsibility that we just get to shirk off on. God called me to do it, so I guess I'm just going to do it now. Um, This is something that that is really serious, and there are real lives at stake if we don't do this well and we don't do this right. And so that's why this is so important, I think, for us to talk about. Um, It's not that Henry and I weren't called to be pastors, but rather there are certain things that, that, you know, certain cultural influences, certain biblical influences that may have, um, when I say biblical, I mean like things that you read in the Bible, not necessarily like these were the biblical interpretation, just like, you know, reasons that we would cite from the Bible that said, yeah, well, this was the direction we wanted to go. And I think, um, for me, it, it, it came a point of reframing and reunderstanding understanding my own calling to say, yeah, maybe I, I was called a full time. I was called to do ministry and that doesn't necessarily mean pastoral ministry. My call is greater than just a job title and a job description but my call is to a greater purpose in general. And as long as I'm accomplishing that purpose in tangible ways, then I'm completely content with where I'm at. And that's exactly why I'm content in the position I'm at currently. So I hope that that sheds some light on why this, I think is such an important issue. And Henry, I don't know if you disagree with me completely um, or if uh, you know, you have any thoughts there, but that's, I, I felt compelled to share that. So I did.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's, It's extremely important, exactly like you're saying. We want people to be clear or or to learn. And this is probably the point where we should start transitioning into tips or understanding of how to do that. We we want you to be clear in figuring out your calling and hearing the voice of God. Because the problem is, is if you don't, I mean, church has made people lazy. There is something to be said about those who are outside of the faith communities who tend to laugh at Christianity and say, well, you leave your brain at the door and it's intellectually lazy because we have basically allowed ourselves to become that way, which is a whole topic for another time. It's really sad because, you know, the Christ himself said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And for some reason, a lot of times when we talk about faith, we, we really make ourselves sound stupid because it's like we want to check our brains at the door. But that being said, that's what we're trying to say. We want you to be able to not be lazy. This is going to come up in a lot of topics we've discussed, and we'll discuss not be lazy and really hone in and understand the evidences and weigh a lot of different things, and and really be certain that you can hear God's direction and leading and His His voice, if you will, not necessarily an audible voice, but but in in His written word and the in counsel of multiple people and life experiences and whatever. Because the easiest voice to hear if you're lazy is your own, and you will make yourself a false god in that situation, and false gods always fail. Mm. Right? Even my cat is apparently agreeing to that. (laughs) So, yes, if you heard that whining. But yeah, I mean, false gods always fail. And then the problem is, is then it it, kind of sets us back into one of the podcast topics we had earlier about, you know, faith setbacks. And a lot Mm. of faith setbacks happen because of calling problems. Yeah, a lot, Like like you said, a lot of faith setbacks are where we think, like you said, we kind of blame God. Well, God, you called me to this, and this didn't work, and I'm not fulfilled, and I'm not happy, and so you obviously don't care if I'm fulfilled or happy. And like you said, it ruins our pictures of God, it ruins other people's pictures of God because we're so miserable, and you know, because people, as dumb as that is, think pastors are the ones that got it, and if you're the quote, pastor, and you're walking around like, I hate God and I hate life. Well, <laughs> well, if the pastor does, then I definitely should. So <laughs> that, that, that's kind of our thing. It's God, the God that Ryan and I believe that we're serving doesn't want you miserable. And this isn't a like, you know, everything's about me kind of faith. That's not what we're trying to talk about either. But your, your happiness and fulfillment in life is God's interest. He's interested about that uh, among a, a lot of other things as well. So we've got to be able to figure this out because pastoring can be very fulfilling. Pastoral ministry can be very fulfilling. But like anything, it's also got a lot of burdens that come with it. And those are not burdens you just want to voluntarily put on yourself just for the quote fun of it, because you think that's the only thing you can do. Mm -hmm. Because trust me, if pastoring is not what you are called to do specifically, you do not want to do it. Because I don't know of any pastor that knows for certain they were called to do it that doesn't wake up at least every other day and wonder why am I doing this and it's really the assurance that this is really what God called us to do, that's the only thing that keeps us doing it or we would have quit a long time ago because there's a lot of reasons to do so. <laughs> oh so. yeah,
0: no, absolutely. I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. And that doesn't mean that you can't do it without a calling. It's just like, why take on the burden <laughs> if you don't have to? Yeah, if you um, don't love something, why would you voluntarily yeah. force yourself to do it? <laughs> the other thing that I do want to point out too is, uh, I guess two things here. Uh, number one, not every failed pastor wasn't someone who wasn't called to ministry. Yes. Uh, it could be that they actually were called to pastoral ministry and they abandoned that calling through their actions or decisions as a leader or as a pastor. So that that is number one. So I don't want us to look... go Or the at actions ever- of the church around them. I don't want to fully Correct. blame the yes. pastor because that's yes. what we were saying about pastoring having a lot of burdens. It, it, it can yeah. be a position very easily abused by faithful people. Yep. Um, and number two um i would say is you know by by mistakenly thinking that pastoring or that 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 being a leader in religion is is kind of the ultimate expression of faith as a human as a human being on this earth um you know that's like the oh you're a pastor you can't do this or you can't do that um this is you know you're supposed to be this way because you you know you lead a church um what we do is we a don't take enough responsibility of our own faith, we think, oh, well, we're, we can do certain things that pastors can't. We can do certain, we're allowed to do certain sins, quote unquote, uh, but pastors can't. And B, uh, it removes a lot of beauty from the calling that all of us do have in our own spaces, right? This is, this is more than, this is more than just about what pastoral ministry is or isn't, but this is about what your life is too. And what your calling is um, whether you are a lawyer, whether you're a nurse or a doctor, whether you're a um, whether you're a therapist, whether you're a firefighter or police officer or politician, uh, it it I don't really care what the career is. It doesn't change the fact that all of us do have some sort of calling and some space that we are called to exist in, and unfortunately we've read texts like I think Romans 12, uh, where, you know, it, it says that your whole life should be this offering to the Lord. And we think, oh, well, my whole career has to be an offering and I have to give it all up and and do this. You know, I have to change my music to all be, you know, contemporary Christian music and be on Christian radio now. And I have to leave this space. And what happens when we leave this space is, man, it's funny because it's almost ironic. This call to be a this call to be a pastor usually leads people away from people that they could actually bring to Jesus and tor- and just towards surrounding themselves with people who already claim to follow Jesus. Yeah. Like, it, it leads you away from the very people that Jesus wants you to reach.
1: Yeah. I mean, and obviously as, as point of disclaimer, what Ryan's when Ryan says, we don't care what career you're in as far as, you know, like ministry, we're not trying to say that certain things like being a hitman or a prostitute oh, yeah. is probably not the best thing that you should well i'm doing it for jesus well <laughs> uh, that sounds like what every televangelist says when they've had their 14th affair but anyway the <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> coming coming you coming you, you came to play no games all right you you came you came for heads <laughs> yeah yeah anyway uh, but no this is and this, uh, this might be a good moment to get on the a hobby horse and, and make a statement about why the church is really robbed the world in this idea that it has often perpetuated that pastoring is one of the only ways to be an effective full-time dedicated person to God is that, like you said, it, it, if nothing else, it limits community access. In other words, there are certain people that pastors will never reach newsflash. They will not. I can't tell you the amount of people and situations that, I was having a good conversation with somebody like in an airport or something and and I'm getting along and I'm starting to learn about people. And then that question comes up, what do you do? And when I tell them I am a pastor for good or for bad, I'm not blaming these people. There's a lot of societal baggage from history and, and, and like I've said before, televangelists and very public faces of pastoring and movies and everything else, but it will shut down the conversation. It will, it will eliminate go up. Yeah. The walls go up. And that's not them being mean towards me personally. I don't take it personally. Um, I tend to think because, and again, this is another theological conversation for another time, but so many people still have this concept that the pastor kind of stands in the place of God. It's kind of Mm. like a mediator. It's in a sense, it's funny as, as much as we are Protestant, there's a lot of Protestants that share more of the, the Roman Catholic idea of mediation uh, between a priest class and and God and divinity. Uh, not picking on our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters. I'm just saying that's it's just ironic to me from a Protestant perspective that as much as we supposedly yeah. are different, we're, we share a lot of these commonalities in practice. And, and that's my thing. And so because of that, there will be people that will, whatever problems they're having with God, they're going to take out or transfer or project on to make. Because if I'm the representative of him, then, you know, and I'll run into a lot of people that way. They'll either get mad at me instantly because they're mad at God for something. And I'm not saying whether they have a right or not a right to be mad at him. They just are. And if I'm the representative, they take it out on me. Or they're sad because they think God abandoned them or whatever. And now I'm his representative, so they take it out on me. Or they don't want to talk to God, so I'm the representative, so they don't want to talk to me, et cetera. The point is, there will be people I will never reach. Right? Mm. They're not going to talk to me. And that doesn't make them bad people. It's just, they're just not going to, if, you know, but I mean, that could also be said about personality. There's people that will just not like me, not because they're horrible people or want to hate people, but just, I rub them the wrong way by just being me. It doesn't make me bad yep. either. It's just, that's just what it is, which is why the Bible talks a ton about God's love and view of diversity, about why he needs every, I mean, think about If he just needed everyone to be pastor, if he just needed pastors, then he doesn't need everybody. Okay, but there are Who people... Who are you going to pastor if everyone is a pastor? <laughs> well, I, I know, the, the, the logic crumbles when you really think about some of the things that the modern Western church has pushed for so long. <laughs> Shocker. But, you know, that, that's my thing. We need diversity. We, God's got to have different callings as much as he has different people. Not that you won't have 50 different people out of 100 that might get called to be a pastor, but then you can't have 100 people being the pastor. I mean, who's going to be the your your medical professional, your teacher, and okay? Now I listed the other two: of the church things. Okay, but what about your musicians or your garbage collectors or your lawyer or you're running the you know a cell phone store? I almost said a company that I use, and I don't want to give free advertising. But the point is, right? Whatever. I mean, these are things that people need and have access to in life or whatever. And why can't God use people to transform those spheres also? And this is yep. what I was talking about before. God God might already, I mean, he does, but this is something I notice with a lot of conversions too. Even when it comes to pastoring, maybe you have a call to pastoring, but this would be a good point to make the point. A lot of people, if they do have a calling to pastoring and it happens during their reconversion process, they'll try and become just like the pastor that helped them in the reconversion experience. Hmm. Right? Because they'll be like, well, that's the one that impacted me. So I need to be just like them. I was guilty of this. There were certain quote, you know, big speakers or whatever and in our particular denomination that I used to listen to a lot and watch every video on YouTube of theirs and download any podcast they had or whatever because when He's I was doing a He's talking uh, yes, about exactly.
0: me. Yes, exactly.
1: I was... I, everything Ryan does, I try to emulate. No,
0: I'm just kidding. <laughs> Thank, I'm younger for, than Henry. It literally <laughs> couldn't be me. Literally yes, could not be me. But
1: But it's a good thought. Anyway, the point is... Right. And then they will try and become carbon copies of that. And, and the principle I'm about to share here is the same, even out of ministry. God's already got that preacher. So what are you contributing if you become a clone of that preacher? You know, you're mm. not, you're not going to reach anybody different. You, you're be, and in fact, you're going to reach them worse because you can't interact in every circumstance the same way as that person. You're mimicking their presentation or the distilled version of their thought processes in a sermon, in an interaction, but you're not them. So if God is calling you to ministry, this is a side newsflash. Don't be the pastor that brought you in. Yes, you can adopt certain things that were helpful from them or that you like or whatever, but be you. God needs you, not them. He's already got them. So it's the same he- thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing outside of pastoring. God may already have three people that are really good or going to be their, their personalities or their perceptions or whatever are going to be great in pastoring. But like me, I, I hope I'm pretty decent at pastoring, but I'll tell you a couple things I really suck at. I, you would not want me having a surgery on you, like doing surgery on you because you would die. And, and second, Fair. right? You, you probably, even though I have some musical background, you don't want me writing music. I mean, maybe mm. I could get good at it, but as it stands right now, I, I'm nothing that people would glorify God listening to what I wrote. Okay. Or you mm. definitely don't want me troubleshooting your computer. Okay. Because you're going to lose all your files and then you're going to hate life. <laughs> Fair. So, so my point is if, if God has called you, he might be calling you to something that, oh, well, I, I know specifically he is calling you to something that you uniquely can do. Okay, now we're not here to tell every single listener what that is, and there's tips we need to get into as to how you can figure that out, but God needs you as you. He wanted you. He didn't want some future you. He didn't want, you know, whatever you could, quote, become. This is kind of getting into more gospel theology, but it's true. God wants you. He wanted you. So when you give him you, give him you. Don't give him version 19.0 or whatever you think you're going to make. Right, so what is you, and how can you take the you that is you and do something awesome in your sphere for God? Yeah, and that's that's what we're trying to say. Conversion isn't automatically a call to abandon your reality, but to transform it.
0: Mm. Right. So let let's actually get in then to the practical thing. I was going to bring up the 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 healing of the demoniac in Mark five, but. Um, I'll just let people read that because that that is an example of someone who thought that they were supposed to follow Jesus and he was like, No, actually don't come with me instead. Transform the reality you're in. And it opened the door for Jesus to, you know, come back later and actually do miracles in that city. And um, you know, instead of actually talking about that in depth, I'd rather just get to the point now of, you know, how do we how how can people um actually figure out, am I called to do this? or am i called to you know am i called to stay in my current career path or current life path or am i called to really you know change and and be a pastor and um and 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 completely change my my career path from what it was what are what are some of the kind of beginning beginning steps that that might be able to help people figure this out
1: yeah well i mean i'll i'll do one maybe we can do one a piece and 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 keep bouncing back and forth the, the first would it would be obvious, and kind of bouncing off your demoniac story, which is, you know, a lot of people would have thought he wasn't following Jesus, but he was. It just wasn't in the way everyone thought he should. Right. The, the obvious thing would be get on the boat and sail off with him. Yeah, like
0: but, literally don't follow me. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah but he, he was still following and he was doing something else. So, I mean, the, the first tip is you have to be willing to ignore society's obvious. Mm. In in other words, I mean, and I would, I would, maybe I should put a comma, ignore, be willing to ignore society's obvious comma, but still use common sense. Right? So yeah, maybe everyone in church is going to be like, well, if you're joining God, the obvious is you have to be a pastor. Okay. Well, maybe that's true, but you have to be willing to ignore their obvious. and. And what God might call you to might be something that they're all going to think, how can you serve God and do that? But as I said, use common sense. Obviously, if you're a hit man, hopefully your presentation of the gospel proved that that's probably not the best way to glorify God, just running around whacking people. Now, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, I I don't want to get into these moralistic conundrums where I realize people may be in the military, special forces or things that they've converted to the gospel and they're like, but my role is I'm going and taking out really bad people that are causing a lot of bad pain and whatever you can tell I'm getting ready to do a reserve chaplain role. But my, my point is I'm I'm not going to say that there aren't ways for things like that to be transformed for the gospel. I'm not saying, well, you're in the military. You got to quit. Now you follow Jesus. That's not what I'm trying to say, but I, I'm just saying there's certain things like you're just voluntarily, like I just kill people to kill people. People don't like, okay. Use common sense. That's, that's not going to yeah. be very good for the gospel.
0: But so, yeah, that would be the first tip. Just be willing to, you know, do that. I think um, another one is to actually research and study what what pastoring or whatever the the career path you feel you're being called to do actually is and not just what your perception of it was. Perhaps you can talk to the pastor that is your current pastor or a pastor that you've trusted before an authority figure in the church that you've trusted maybe you can even get a hold of the of you know if you were at a if you were at a special worship service or program and and the speaker was preached this sermon and that was the big moment for you maybe that's someone that you could reach out to and maybe they'll they'll talk with you too um can't always guarantee that obviously but uh occasionally it happens and and there's one thing I will say as someone who that conversation happens to whenever I go speak it at, at churches or or youth rallies or things like that. Um, the the other thing, the other half of that is when you talk to them and as you ask them questions, um, pay attention to your own heart, pay attention to, the, to your own feelings, because one of the things that I notice is when when a lot of people come and t- have those conversations with me, they're they're looking for confirmation or affirmation that that this is the direction they're supposed to go in. And so if I discourage them from doing it, they almost feel like they've been completely deceived and they just, just, th- their, their entire experience was fake. Mm. Because they... they so sometimes I think that that people get can get can convince themselves that this is the thing that they're supposed to do and so then all of their conversations become a matter of confirmation bias and just trying to confirm it and they'll either ignore all the voices that tell them maybe not or they will they will try and trick or lead and ask leading questions to get other people to tell them that this is the thing that they should be doing. And then they'll take that as a sign. And so I'd say, watch what you're doing, watch your own behaviors and be, be extra critical of yourself to find out, like, are you trying to genuinely and objectively figure out what this is and what this means for your life? Or are you trying to get them to confirm a decision that you, or, or confirm a direction that you already think you should be going? And so that, that was like a, it was a two-parter, but it was one thing. Talk to someone and then watch yourself as you talk to them. Yeah, that, I, that would be how I have that, say that, yeah.
1: And that's a powerful point. You could almost summarize it and say, watch confirmation bias. So yeah, in other words, absolutely. like a lot of people say, and, and that is one of the steps we could say, which we could go right into step three, you need to counsel with multiple people that you trust. But at the same time, picking off what Ryan just said about confirmation bias, don't try and only speak to people you think are going to approve of the thing you want to do. That's true of anything mm-hmm. in life. I mean, you don't have to purposely then go, I'm going to choose everybody I think hates me and wants to make me not do what I want to do in life. I'm not saying do that either. Okay, that goes back to the common sense of point one. But yeah, I mean, you know, when you counsel, try and get a variety of experience, uh, you know, both in the field you're thinking about and outside of it and, and people with varying experiences with you. You know, yeah. I mean, I realize some of us, and this can be touchy, for, for example, things I've had to figure out in life. Sometimes I've had to go to certain family members and get their opinion. Now, I realize that some of us don't come from the best of family situations. So again, these, these are general principles. I'm not saying that you have to include a family member uh, in this. It, it just goes for those of us that have relatively stable or, or healthy situations. Family's obviously been with you a lot longer in your life. So they might have a perspective they can contribute that someone you just met at a, at a special worship service. And this guy that you mm. really like, cause they've helped you in the sermon is they, they don't know you no offense to them, but they don't know you from Adam. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to be able to give you deep insight to the last 18 or 28 years or 38 years or 58 years or whatever of, of your life that you've lived. Exactly. And be able to, pick a direction out of that they're only getting the one hour you listen to them and the 10 minutes you're talking to them afterwards when there's a line of people behind you waiting to do the same thing yep so you know get a variety of, of absolutely people.
0: yeah i think the other one and this is kind of an obvious one um and i can't believe i almost forgot to mention this but um ask yourself if the thing that you feel you're called to do is something that you can accomplish in your current context mm. in other words you're called a pastor, but what what if you know what pastoring is, and you know what the overall purpose of pastoring is, which is to connect people with Jesus, right? Is is to is to help them discover their spiritual life and and, and help them grow in that. Um, can you do that without actually being a pastor? Is there a way to do that in the current career field you have, or is there a way to change what you're doing in your career field? Maybe um, maybe changing what kind of company you work for, or maybe, um, maybe it's starting your own company and doing things differently. Maybe it's staying in your same music circle, but just not singing about the exact same things that you sang about before, um, or using some of the same language or, or, expressions that you used before, right? Um, ask yourself if there are things that you can do in your current context that would, that would accomplish the exact same purpose, but would actually lead to potentially transforming your current context.
1: In other words, a lot of us confuse the the how
0: for the what exactly exactly we think that i have to do it this way and really what you really what what you're being called to do is it not it this way and so um it is it is important to just ask yourself is this something is is the substance of what i'm being called to do can that be done in my own current context because if it can I would say explore that before you ever, before you quit a job, before you change your, your, your major before you, because like changing a major right now at like a four year university, that hurts money wise. Let's be like That hurts. That hurts the pocket that, that like, that is not a wise financial decision in general, uh, typically. And so you don't really want to just flippantly do that. No, um, we're not saying you shouldn't do that, but no, don't be flippant about it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be flippant about it. And, um, so yeah, I w that is an excellent way because if you can like, great, you're, you're exactly where you need to be. And now you just change the perspective by which you do the things that you were already doing. It changes yeah. the, the calling that you have can often just be continue to live the life that you lived but do it with a different perspective, a different attitude, that when people see you, they see that the something has changed about you. Um, that the way the decisions you're making, the places you go, the, the way that you talk, the, the way that you treat people is, is different, and, and, and they can't quite put their finger on why, maybe. Or maybe they can. Um, you know, I have a friend who just recently shared that you know she, she met up with someone who, she's not a pastor, and she met up with someone, a tired mom looked like a, she, she says this with all, she's also a mom, so she says this with all the love and affection possible, she tr- looked like a train wreck, because the, the mom was exhausted and burnt out and had lost her community. And here, this person, my friend, had the opportunity then to say, hey, come to church with me and come hang out with this, with this group of women that I hang out with and come and, and, and be a part of this thing Um, and, and come be a part of this community. And that didn't take being a pastor to do. And I actually would dare say that if she was a pastor, that conversation likely would not have either happened or have gone the way that it did. And so, because of the walls that we had discussed earlier. And so, yeah, there, there are things that you can do differently in your own life and in your own context that definitely fulfill the exact same purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And that would lead to another tip and it would be this.
1: Take small steps to allow for clarity. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of piggybacking off of something you said there. So let's just say, okay, you feel like you're called to be a pastor. Maybe that's absolutely correct, but here's the thing. Too many times in life, because we're all impatient, we take it as a zero-sum game. I'm either a pastor or I'm not. Or I'm either 100% like, oh, I mean, because I've seen this happen too, where people, like, even in a school setting, they think they have to change their major or whatever because God's called them to whatever. And they, f- they have a meltdown because it's in the middle of the semester and they can't, you can't change, you know, it's like the train going hundred miles an hour on the track. You can't turn it onto the next line at a 45 degree angle going hundred miles an hour. Right. You know, yep. you, you just, you just can't change your major four weeks into the new, sem- you know, it, it doesn't work that way. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't work at a university, but from personal experience, you can't change in the middle of the semester. I mean, you can drop everything or get incompletes or Fs. But uh, that, that's also wasting money and not helping you at all or your GPA or getting into the thing you <laughs> want to do. So, th- I mean, the point is, uh, the point is you've got to, if you know that's or you think that's where you're going to go, you don't have to be there in two minutes. And sometimes what can be helpful also to buy time to help if you do have confirmation bias or you're kind of on an emotional high at that moment and emotions do cloud your judgment. This is in anything, not just calling relationships, anything. If we, mm. if we don't govern them or counteract them with other things, right? Like Ryan was saying, if that's what you got to do, well, then ask yourself, what does a pastor do? Am I any good at any of this? Now, that might be the common sense thing before, if maybe you don't have the gifts for that. But even, I'm not saying even if you don't <laughs> think you have the gifts... You can't develop the gifts, or God doesn't call people with varying gifts to it. I'm not saying you need a cookie-cutter version of a pastor either. But here's the thing. If you know that typical pastoral ministry is you need to stand up in front once a week or multiple times in a week and talk to people about Jesus, but you're terrified to talk to somebody that passed you on the sidewalk or to one of your classmates, maybe instead of immediately freaking and acting lstupido.org that you can't get into the seminary program in two days— in the middle mm-hmm. of the semester, maybe you should go, what are some things now I can do to work on my confidence around people, my ability to talk to people? And maybe it doesn't mean you need to immediately volunteer to stand up and preach at the school chapel for 300 people, but maybe you need to go, maybe I just need to be intentional and start sitting with different people in the cafeteria mm-hmm. and trying to talk to people I don't know about life, <laughs> you know, yeah. anything. Uh, you know, these kinds of things. So I'm saying start making baby steps and don't punish yourself. Like mm-hmm. I'm not making any progress to being faithful to the God, you know, the calling God's given me. Well, no, that God's not an unjust taskmaster. That's like, you know, ununderstanding. If he is, then I don't know why you'd want to follow him anyway, but that's a different story, right? If he sees you're trying, why is he not going to be happy with that? You're, you're showing that you're acknowledging the calling you think on your life and you're doing what you can in that moment to start working towards it you know, do that. And then either, maybe as you're going through that, it's going to either confirm, okay, I can do this or wow, my faith's building because I see God's helping me redevelop this talent I didn't know I had or whatever, or is going to give me the ability to do this or it might buy you some time. So the emotion wears off or you have some experiences and go, you know what? I would die if I had to talk to people all day long.
0: Mm.
1: Well then maybe you need to find a different way to share the gospel with people than standing up in front of people and having to talk to them all the time
0: yep and that does not mean that introverts can't be pastors uh i am an introvert i was a pastor and, and I as am well. i yeah so we and now we're both on a podcast so um the <laughs> um the last thing i think that is important for us to speak to but well, this is the most practical episode i think we're ever going to do um and uh the, the last thing that i, I just quickly want to speak to is those of you that that really have become determined like all right, I do need. Maybe I haven't been called to pastoral ministry, and we do hope that none of the tips that we've given so far, none of the advice that we've given, is is discouraging to you. That's not it at all. Um, this is meant to be helpful and encouraging to you. Um, and so, for those of you that do feel like, okay, uh, maybe I did get ahead of myself, and 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 I do need to to reapproach the way that I do things. Um, I think it'd be worth uh, just quickly, Henry. What is one or two things that you would say to someone who's in that position of, I want to stay where I'm at? And I, but I want to do things differently. And I, and I do feel like I was, I was called to stay where I am, um, and just do things differently. What do I do? Mm. How do I approach it?
1: Well, I mean, the first thing is, is pray, obviously. And again, just like these other steps, these other steps can also be applicable to, to your staying in your current context.
0: Yep. In 100%. other words,
1: now I go get advice. Okay. Well, let's say, let's say you run, cause I used that illustration earlier. Let's say you're a manager at a phone store, and you go, I think God's calling me to stay in this phone store. Okay, fine. See if you can reach out to other Christians at phone stores or whatever and see how are they making the gospel living like Christ or whatever more applicable in their work. What are ways they found or how do they navigate the corporate culture or you know, how do they wrestle with the fact that maybe your job has specific rules of exclusions where you can't proselytize or something else at work, right? So you're going to have to get more creative Mm -hmm. of how do I live my life in a way that gets their attention without me getting fired for being jerkish to, you know, this company or whatever. So again, go get counsel, go talk to multiple people take baby steps and don't feel immediately yep. upset that you didn't walk into work on the next shift and convert three of your bosses and two of the people that came in to buy a phone. I mean, you know, just take yep. baby steps, you know, figure out how, you know, little things you can say or be more outgoing or be more what whatever again and, and, and give time to, to grow in that, to, to yep. figure out how to transition that thing and be patient with yourself as you're doing it. Mm-hmm.
0: I think um, I think for me the big thing here is is instead of even asking like how can I proselytize necessarily and specifically oh I can talk to someone about Jesus this way I would say too how can I better in my job whatever that job is how can I better treat people the way that Jesus values them yeah Um, whether that's you know offering a discount whether you know that you may have the the authority or the power to to actually you know, authorize or offer, uh, whether that's just being more patient with your coworkers, uh, or your boss. And, uh, maybe it's apologizing for any way that you've been a jerk in the past, right? Uh, some people will leave their job thinking they've been called away from it and they'll leave this trail of destruction in their wake Mm. uh, from whatever, from whatever they've left because of who they were before. They never actually made things right there. And now they're this pastor and, um, this, this is actually something that I'm afraid of. I don't, this is something that currently in ministry and as someone with a platform, I'm very afraid of. Uh, what if there's someone out there that, you know, I have, um, I have really hurt and I don't maybe not realized the depth of that hurt or the severity of it, or maybe I thought it was resolved and it really wasn't whatever, or maybe I didn't even resolve it because I didn't, wasn't, I, you know, I don't even think anything of it. um, And now they see me with this platform. How, how, how harmful is it? for someone to do that. In fact, I just saw this on Twitter recently, a leader that I greatly respect um, found out that someone that she bullied in high school, um, that person, the, the, you know, the victim of her bullying, found out that she's now this Christian speaker and author and teacher and was, was shocked and was like, I can't believe it. Like, how dare she basically? Why would we give someone who did this, something like this a platform? And my friend immediately uh, reached out and apologized and made things right um, as soon as she realized what, what really this was. And now they've reconciled and everything is, you know, everything is good. Um, but it's that kind of thing of, you know, um, how can you change the way you're behaving in your current reality now yes. and how, and, and treat people that if you can answer that question, man, that's going to take you miles uh, ahead of where you're at.
1: Well, and that's huge because it's like the old adage, if I think part of why, again, there's so many ways all of these topics interconnect, which is why I'm glad we get to talk every week. But to that concept, there's one of the reasons I think Western Christianity is struggling so much is that the quote faith we're purporting isn't making any difference in the people that purport it. So why Mm -hmm. would it, why would it, anyone else want to deal with it? You know, like, like you said, if if you leave this trail of destruction behind you, I got to go be a pastor or whatever. But it didn't impact you at the telephone store, then you know there's going to be questions. There's going to be wonders. It's it's kind of again cheap. It's it, it's almost being not just intellectually lazy, but character development lazy too. If you're not going to let the gospel transform you wherever you are, don't think the job's going to solve it. Don't think the calling's yeah. going to solve it, uh, because you know. And this might be a good way to start wrapping it down. I can think about. Uh, one illustration from the Bible and my own life. One of the problems I had when I first started pursuing ministry, I like to say that I like to say I got called to pastoring twice. I got called by myself and then called by God. (laughs) And when I first started, it was a call from me and it sucked. And then when I got one from God, it was different. And, Mm -hmm. And here, and here's what I, here's what I mean by that. I thought the job was going to somehow make things right between me and God or other people or solve things. And the problem with that is you take you with you wherever you go. And so one of the things I made a mistake of is I kept thinking if I did ministry in a different place, sometimes I've seen this even in pastoring too, right? We've got an issue that comes up in pastoring because pastors aren't perfect. You're human shocker. Right. But a lot (laughs) of times half the problem is that when pastors are not willing to admit that it gets them in further trouble. But, but my thing is you realize there's a problem and instead of staying put, you know, and being like, okay, I got to, I need God to work on me. You think I'll just leave and go over here and that will fix it. You know, I'll start over somewhere else or I'll take this different job or I'll take this different company or I'll take this different church or this can happen in anything, not just pastoring. But the thing is, if you don't let it, if you don't deal with it now where you're at, you're going to have a lot less likelihood to deal with it somewhere else. You're just spreading the trail of destruction. Hmm. Right, you've got, you've got to let God, through your reconversion experience, part of tempering the transition, let him transition you internally while he might also be transitioning a calling. Don't think, i got to get in the calling, then I'll worry about transitioning myself. Because the other illustration I was going to use, there are several characters in the Bible that a calling of God does not guarantee character transformation. And the one that jumps mm. out to my head the most is Samson. There was this this character Samson that was called of God to be a judge in Israel like to be one of the big like people at a time where Israel didn't have kings and whatever was supposed to save his people and kind of liberate them from different nation you know nations and stuff that had conquered the Jewish people and whatever, and he would call these. It was a time of judges. They would call these different people, and he called this guy Samson from like before he was born. Like his parents knew he had a calling. God had given him a calling. There were certain things he was supposed to do and not do to fulfill the calling. And he, by letter of the law, kept them. He didn't cut his hairs, the most famous one, and he didn't. He wasn't supposed to drink strong drink and all of these other things because he was. He was coming from a Nazarene sect and all of this stuff. Anyway, the point is, he goes through his whole life. With a calling of God, no one could deny he had a calling, but he never at any stage of his life, at least that we get in the story, made an attempt to let God transform him for his calling. Mm. And so by the end of the story, he dies in a suicide that, don't get me wrong, God has an amazing way to redeem us from the worst of ourselves and what we do to other people. So, I mean, Samson, this is just the beauty of the God of scripture. He even he redeems one of the stupidest things Samson could do. I mean, Samson's ending his own life, but God is going to somehow work through it to still find something good out of it. That's not an encouragement mm-hmm. to obviously go end your life, you know, uh, you know, I'm just saying that, but just know that even the worst things that we can do, God is a God of redemption. He will find ways to make good come out of it if we would let him. But my point is Samson dies No better an individual than he was at the beginning of the story. In fact, you've been watching him in the story get worse and worse as a moral person. Yep. Drinking, burning things down, stealing other women, you know, womanizer, all this other stuff, lying, yelling at people, just anger management issues, not trust, whatever. My point is he was a judge. He had a calling of God, but he had no character to meet it. And because Mm. of that, he failed in the end right? It's going to take a lot more judges to free the Israelites than Samson. It, the story couldn't end there. So that, that's a good way for me to really come off that horse and say, the final thing I want you to take away with is your conversion is primarily to transform you before it's to transform anybody else. And if you're not allowing yourself to let God and, and, and people you trust and all that help you let the gospel transform you. You're never going to be able to transform anyone else whether you work at a, yep. a hardware store, a phone store or as a pastor. You've got yep. to let the gospel keep doing the gritty, dirty, complicated, messy work in your own life before it's going to even matter where you try and help other people do that.
0: Yeah. God God didn't send Jesus so that, you know, Jesus didn't die to save your career choice or career path. Uh, Jesus died for you. And to save you, and th- th- that's the whole point is um we we bring this up because not just out of concern for those that you know may be harmed by the by the wrong decision to follow uh to follow God in this specific manner uh, uh but for you <laughs> uh, for those of you that are uh that that do experience this because you know we we believe it is important to remember that first and foremost God has done everything he has done to save you, and you can go into ministry and be completely uh, lacking in all of the things that God wants you to have. You can go into pastoral ministry, you can stay in your current job, and you could do any of what we've described today and still um, have completely ignored the true voice of God in your own life. And so really, if there's one big takeaway here, um, it's Um, Don't forget to breathe and to slow down and to really, really investigate uh, what God is calling you to do and who God is calling you to be. And because there is so much beauty to be found when you embrace the real voice of God in your life and embrace what that voice is calling you to do. And we don't want you to miss out on it. We don't want ourselves to miss out on it. And that's why I'm grateful for the voices of people like Henry in my life uh, who can who can call me on my own crap uh, when I'm wrong and put me on the right path. Uh, it, is, it is a huge benefit and, and a huge blessing to me. And I hope that you have someone in your own life that you can go to uh, for the exact same purpose. So um, Henry, any final thoughts as we close out? Just a repeat of what
1: I've said a couple of times. Conversion isn't automatically a call to abandon your reality. We're not just talking job-wise. We're talking you as a person, as a personality. But it's a call to transform it. And that's what we're trying to say. And we know that we support you. Uh, we're praying for you. We hope that you will find authentic communities that will help you on that journey as well. And, and we just, we have a faith, a beautiful faith, in you as god does in you that he's going to do awesome things in your life continue to do that as you trust in him and in your calling and in every other aspect of life
0: awesome well thank you guys so much for listening thank you henry as well um and if you want to get in touch with us our contact infos in the show notes thank you guys so much we'll see you next week